Um, Sean, so tea? Just a bit, bit of milk. Any sugar? No, thanks. Same as me. Hi everyone, welcome to Recruit Tea. I'm your host, Emily Furbank, and we're going to be spilling the tea on the good, the bad, and the ugly of the recruitment industry. I'm going to be joined by an array of different people with various different backgrounds so we can get their point of view on what makes a real successful recruitment business. Come and join me for some tea. Cup of tea. Thank you. Just in case no one knows exactly what you do or your background, just giving a bit of flavour there of where you've come from and how Hoxo became Hoxo, if, if yeah. that's all right. I mean, long story short, I, I was in recruitment for six and a half years. Um, went to Australia as a school teacher in 2011. Got a job in, and got a job in recruitment in Melbourne because my teaching qualifications weren't valid. So okay. I um, and I, I, I was I was 24. I was pretty yeah. happy to get out of teaching and try, try grown up new. world. And yeah. I got this job in a skyscraper and with a suit on. And I, I was there for just under two years. And I did I did quite well. I wasn't committed to being a recruiter at that point. Mm. I was a bit like, um, I'll just teach when I get back to England. Yeah. And then I came back and I wanted to live in London. And you can't just especially as a PE teacher, you can't choose where you want to live. There's only yeah. a finite amount of jobs. So I got a job in London in recruitment and then my career just took off and I did five years in London and I, I loved it and I did really well. And my plan was to launch Hoxo, which was a recruitment company. Yeah. And then long story short, I changed my mind. Um, in my final year of recruitment in 2016, I was leading a, a big contract division of about 20 people. Mm. Um, I was still doing BD, and some, but it was mainly like recruiting and training internally. I had a bit of time to think if I start a company, how do I want it to be set up? Yeah. And I have this, I've always wanted to be a bit different. I'm not the kind of guy who just wants to take the same model that you've done and do it for myself. I was yeah. like, I want it to be, to be different. And then I was really into trying to find out what other people were doing. And the only way I could do that was through podcasts and social media. So I'd go on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcasting. And I was trying to consume entrepreneurial ideas. And what I realized was, the how I was consuming it was the was the difference. Yeah. It was before I'd just ask my boss, I'd just ask my friend. Whereas now I'm using the online space to get all my education. Yeah. And um, I thought my recruitment company is going to be built on content first. It's going to be a brand first business. Yeah. And again, no one in I don't remember a single person in recruitment doing this then. Yeah. I couldn't find it on LinkedIn. So I was okay. like, right, I'm going to be this social media first recruiter. London insurance market, a bit similar to what Orbition do, yeah. like senior interim and perm appointments. And then, um, again, long story short, we got right to the point we're about to launch it. And I brought a guy who I grew up with in, who was the marketing guy that was going to be behind me. So there was me, a marketer, and my business partner. We were going to have one guy like basically building my brand while me and Emma closed and did deals. But I was obsessed with the. I was more obsessed with the content and the brand than the actual yeah, getting back than doing the recruitment it. bit. Mm. So I had this. I went out and spoke to a load of recruitment people I met and knew, and and I found there was a lot of other people that wanted this. Like they were like, yeah, this this, this is the future. Yeah. So I thought, well, I can launch Hoxo, the recruitment firm, and Hoxo Media, the marketing branding agency, 
And what I do for me, I'll resell to other non-competing brands and create a second revenue stream. Yeah. Um, but then I also realize I'm in a non-compete clause for six months here. So rather than trying to do all this new BD, I could focus on just this. Yeah. And then long I never built the recruitment firm. I literally yeah. just built a media business. Media and it business. was, um, that was seven years ago. Seven, well, yeah, 2017. So what's that? Nearly seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, now we've got, there's like 30 of us globally. So I've got a team in, 25% of my team's UK, a little bit in, in Europe, mm -hmm. Amsterdam, Poland, and Portugal. And then I've got about 20 people in, in South Africa and I've got a South wow. African business. Um, and we cater for, we've got, five, we've got 350 recruitment clients and 5,000 consultants that we work with globally. Yes. And I'm talking Auckland to LA, everywhere in between. Um, and, Very cool. And so what we do is we're, the way I like to put it is we brand recruitment companies and their people better. So we, we either manage or coach them. So we either take over their branding or we coach them how to do it. And we, we, we do company branding, which is like the, the story, the mission, the narrative, the visual identity, the website yeah. for recruitment firms. Uh, we're not a template big. Yeah. You know, there's some really, really established providers that they've got like 500 sites under management. We're not that. We're a boutique. You know, we're working with like 10 clients at one time on, 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 on a really bespoke site and, and a really creative narrative. And then the bulk of what we do is personal branding. And that's yeah. where we, you know, we've worked with, with Ambition and yeah, Kyle yeah. and 5,000 others where we, we implement a process that enables at a desk level people to follow the methodology I've personally built to better themselves and reach more candidates and clients and do, yeah. more, do more business. Yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense. Mm. Like, I hadn't heard of this way of doing it before, Orbition, in terms of like yeah. the content, the marketing and the personal branding being so important. I was just always in that stereotypical recruitment, like transactional world. Yeah. And it, it just makes sense. Like you want it to be a, recruitment's meant to be a personable thing, right? And if people don't have a personal branding, how can it be? Well, it's, it's funny because if you think about the way you communicate, if you're a business trying to reach people, there's only two types of people you can reach, people who know you and people who don't know you, mm. right? And there's, peop there's two types of ways of reaching them, that's one-to-one -one and one-to-many. Yeah. Recruiters are probably the best, or one of the best businesses and industries for the one-to-one. -one. Picking up the phone, reaching out, DMs, LinkedIn, in-mails, emails, like, as an industry, we've. I mean, well, there's variables in there, but yeah. they're good at it and we're built on it, yeah. which is great. But then the inbound, the one-to-many, we're, we're awful at. Yeah. And most people think it's automation of email. That's cool. You can do that. But the, the thing I love about our, well, I love about this sector and, and the reason I, I feel like I'm, I can make such a difference is every client I work with have already built the connections. Like, so the average recruiter has 5,000 followers. Yeah. If you've got five people, that's 25,000 followers in your team right there. Yeah. That one-to-many outreach, boom, boom, boom. The availability overnight yeah. is so powerful. So most people don't do it because of three reasons. Number one, no idea what to write. Yeah. Creativity, like what yeah. the hell am I going to write? Most of us get into sales jobs because we don't, we're not that creative. We're more yeah. pragmatic and we, we like to talk for a living as opposed to sit there and write and draw and do all these things. The second thing is a is a confidence issue. People worry about what people are going to think of them. Yeah. You know, if I actually say that, 
will all my clients think I'm an idiot? Will my candidates yeah. stop working? I mean, there's, the funny thing is as well, we always go to the negative first. We always go yeah, to the worst so case true. scenario. And then the third step is time. You know, 90% of the industry would claim that they're, they're busy, right? They're always yeah. working. Then Too busy to write a post. Too yeah, busy to I'm, I'm already recruiting full time. And then why would, and, and, and again, if you see this as an additional bit of work, on the top of a recruitment job, then then I get it. But if you yeah. if you understand that in to be the best recruiter, you you've got to do one to one and one to many. You can't just do one to one. Yeah. To be the best, it's fundamentally part of your job. Yeah. And and so all of that time, time, confidence, and, and creativity—they're just processes. Yeah. They're not. All they need is a plan. It's, you know, it's like going into a recruitment business trying to run it successfully without a process to recruit, like you couldn't do it. You need a repeatable process. And that's what I work with is I built, I've built and I, and I implement a repeatable process that organizations can give to their recruiters at all levels mm. to get them to get them rocking individually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned there like why people don't do it. I've seen LinkedIn posts where you talk about like the tips of how to get started and really do it. Yeah. If someone is thinking about doing it, do you want to just run through those top yeah, three yeah. like Look, it's really simple, guys. Well, there's, there's three things. things to it, right? Number one is your audience. So how many connections have you got? Yeah. I've, have you got the most connections you could possibly have in your available market? Like, you're allowed 30,000 on LinkedIn. I don't know many recruiters with 30,000 connections, yeah. you know? So go and get it. And you're allowed to connect to 100 a week, which is 20 a day. Yeah. Go and get it. <laughs> go and connect, go and go connect, it, go and yeah. connect. Yeah, and an average, you know, if you're getting 30% or 20 to 30% acceptance rate, you're doing well. Yeah. So. But most people get to about 2,000, 3,000. They think they've nailed the whole market. They think they know everyone yeah. and they stop, which is nonsense. There's yeah. new people coming into every market every Absolutely. day. There's, there's graduates coming through. There's, there's, there's movement. People in changing careers. Yeah, I mean, like... you, you, that's the problem. People sit on, 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 a, on, a, on a base that they think isn't, they've, they've maxed it out, which is complete nonsense, right? Yeah. So that's number one, keep growing it. Number two is nurture it. So if you've got, let's say you've got 5,000, that you're never going to ring them all or you're yeah. not going to do it in a year right because if you i always say that a great recruiter probably has 10 good conversations a day that's 50 a week and over 50 weeks of a year that's two and a half thousand mm. they're not all individual calls to new people you're probably speaking to the same 500 to a thousand people multiple times yeah, if you've got five thousand people in your connection base and you're only speaking to the same 500 there's a that's 10 percent. so the 90 percent are never hearing from you yeah and when you put a job up that's transactional. Yeah. That's not helping them. That's saying, hi, I need help with this. Great. You might get, I'm not saying don't do that, but I have a basic rule that the way you run your phone calls should be how you run your LinkedIn. Yeah. So at the beginning of a phone call, you try and build rapport. You, you might spend a couple of minutes asking about the weekend and talking yeah. about hobbies and interests and the weather and any old shit you're interested <laughs> in. A tiny percentage, you know, a post a week, post every two weeks, depending on your appetite, should be non-work related and entertaining and just, yeah. just open because it, it, it gets that. Build that yeah. with. But then the rest of your conversations are all business, right? So your rest of your content should be all business. And there's two types of content. The first, the main thing you want to be doing is offering value. If you can, no one in the world ever said, stop giving me like free yeah. value. It's just never happened. So if yeah. you can genuinely add value, to people and say, look, this is something I know that you might, might not. Mm. It's worked for me, it's worked for my candidates. 
work for my clients, have it for free. Yeah. Consistently. People are gonna but people are gonna literally be like, that. Well that's great, thank you. Like you you're seen as someone who contributes to the market. Yeah. And then the third bit is like the sales driven content, which people do too much in recruitment. Like it's always about apply for a job, apply for a job. And yeah. you can't do that every day. Honestly, if you if every post you pull up says get in touch about recruitment. Like you've killed the sentiment yeah. of the relationship you're trying to build. So, but you can once a week, you know, I'd say the one one to five ratio. So for every five posts, you probably want one post that is, click on this link, download this, come to this event, message me for more information. Yeah. You're trying to drive people back. So if you're doing a little bit of personal, majority's free advice, and then you've got that little bit. Because again, at the end of a phone call, most of the time, you're going to ask for something. You're going to be like, look, I want your CV. Do you have a referral? Yeah. Come to this event. Give me that job. Like, So the, the way you structure your call is ultimately the way you structure your LinkedIn. Yeah. I've completely found that. I was literally saying to Kat the other day that my LinkedIn posts do really well, and the ones that don't do well are the ones where I'm talking about a job, when I'm wanting someone yeah, to... Yeah, when you want some out yeah. of people. People can sniff, sniff yeah, it yeah. a mile away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you mentioned before that you you'd looked into like podcasts and you did everything around kind of online social media. Mm. You've obviously got your own podcast, Show, yeah. The Rag. Mm. How how did that come about? Was it something that you set up straight away, no. or when did you know it was the right time to set up a podcast? Yeah, so I started the business in early 2017, and I spent two years pre-podcast. So I started the, the podcast in January 2019. Well, I launched it January. We started recording in, in November, December 2018. So mm -hmm. in the second year of the business. And the reason I did it was really simple. Number one, I, I wanted to create the show that I wanted myself. So when I was in that year, that 2016 year, yeah. There was nothing out there. Like I couldn't get access to people telling me, giving me advice. Like, I, and I couldn't ask my boss because I was going to leave. Yeah. So I couldn't go, hey, Steve, <laughs> when I quit and take some of your business, what would you do here? Like, I couldn't do that, yeah. and I didn't know enough other people running it. So when I went online and I was beg, borrowing, and stealing from entrepreneurs, this was generic entrepreneurial advice. This yeah. was not recruitment advice. So. When I started Hoxo, I was like, I want to create that. I didn't really know why or when and how, but I was like, I'm going to do that. And then a couple, a year and a half in, in May 2018, I hired a guy called Hisham Azuz, who's also a really successful podcaster in our space. And he joined me as a, straight out of recruitment, he'd done like a year, and he'd already launched a podcast in his bedroom called The Recruitment Rollercoaster. And when he came in, we actually built him a recording studio in our office. And I watched how he did it. And he was getting recruiters coming all over the country to our little crappy office in London, <laughs> sitting in a room with him, spending an hour distributing this content that people were listening to. And then he was building the relationships for us with those clients. And we were doing deals from, we were turning them into clients, plus listeners were coming in. Yeah. And I thought, wow. But the problem with Hisham's podcast for me at the time, and, and even now, I still think it's, he always went down to the granular, like the recruitment tips. Yeah. You know, being a top biller controlling candidate conversations, those kind of things. And I'll be brutally honest, it wasn't the level of conversation I wanted to have. I wanted to talk about building a business. I yeah. wanted to talk about hiring, scaling, growing, marketing, sales. So we, when he came in, the first idea was I'll jump into his show, we'll co-host it. But then I quite quickly said, no, I want my own. Yeah. And, and so we then had two shows running the same method, same studio, 
people come in twice a week for my show and his show and then yeah. he left a year later he's now got I think it's called the recruitment mentors podcast he's doing brilliant yeah. you know I've got loads of time for him he still does cater more for that kind of recruiter coming up yeah. and mine is more for the owner coming up coming up and I think we complement each other pretty well yeah probably have interviewed the same people and had similar conversation but um my differentiator was that I'd I'd been a top biller in recruitment yeah. You know, I was a 700 grand biller. I ran a 2.1 million pound contract business, and I'd launched my own company. So I'd done, I'd done the ownership, and I'd, I'd performed at a really high level. So I think the level of conversation I was able to have mm. was was the right level for people. I could ask the right questions. I had the gravitas to push back on people, and and I think people bought into the show because of that. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned before I hit record on this that obviously we've got like full on setup here, and yeah. there's ways to do it online. And I, we jokingly said, like, we don't edit these ourselves. But what are these things that when people set up a podcast that you actually need to think about? Because I was, even for me, like, I was like, I need to think of guests. I need to think of the setup. I need to think of who's going to edit it. Like, there's all these things. What do you think? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't think it's just... as complex as people think. But there are, yeah. there is work. The, the first thing is why, right? Yeah. Like, what is in it for other people? Like, if you're doing this purely for your own gain, because I want to sit down with X and Y and Z, you could probably do that, but you'll get no listeners, right? Yeah. So you need to, I think, focus on a very specific audience with a very specific problem and try and consistently help them solve that problem. That's kind of the mind. So I have recruitment owners looking to grow. That's mm -hmm. it. That's all I yeah. care about. Yeah. If you're a recruitment owner who wants to grow, and that could be growth of headcount, revenue, brand, we... It's called The RAG, the Recruitment yeah. Agency Growth Podcast. So it's all about growth. That's all we talk about. We don't talk about tips to build more individually. We talk about growth as a company. Mm -hmm. So when you've got a really clear, right, this is the people and this is the narrative, then you need to obviously brand it and name it and all those things. Um, then you need to think about, well, how are you going to record it? What are you going to do? Yeah. Like, how are you going to record it? Like, So, you know, the way you've done this today is really, I think, really organised. You know, yeah. there's questions, you've thought about it, you've done your research. I'm a little bit more fluid. Yeah. I don't really prepare for... Well, I prepare. I know who I'm interviewing, I'll look at the background, but I don't go in there with any questions. Yeah. I go in with a story. I want to tell the story of where they were and where they are. Right, and yeah, of course. it's a natural way for me to do that. Other interviews are... You know, the two leading podcasts, um, you've got that... In, is it... A, Aspiring leaders or something. There's, a, there's there's one with like two guys who host it, and then you've got the diary of a CEO. Yeah. And one is pure interview, and it's like question answer question answer, and you don't really hear much from the interviewer. Mm. And then you got a diary of CEO where Stephen Barler tells a story, and he's he's probably forty percent of the conversation himself. Yeah. So I'm probably that kind of style, but other people. So I think choose your style. Do you just want to ask questions and shut up, which is okay. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Or do you want to be more conversational and be involved? Um. Then you need to think about how often do you want to release an episode? You know, I do one a week every yeah. Wednesday. Consistency is huge. Mm. So some people do two a week, three a week, one a week, one every other week. The more you do, I am, the better it'll be. Yeah. For me, logistically, getting out more than one is too much work when I've yeah. got a business to run. But I've consistently done one a week. I've had the odd little couple of week break, but consistently one a week for since January 2019. Yeah. Um, but then you've got to think oh, where you're going to record it, what kit you're going to use, and how you're going to get it edited up and distributed. Yeah, yeah. Which you don't have to do any of that yourself, really. Like, there's places you can 
if you're in London or big cities, you can go to podcast studios. You can do it on a platform like Zoom or StreamYard. I use StreamYard, which is a is a paid tool that plugs into the back of LinkedIn, and effectively, it's just like a higher quality version of Zoom. Yeah. You get like a green room. You click record. You could go live at the time, or you go live later. Um, and then I have a team that do all my editing, and I don't touch it. The second yeah. I've recorded, all I do is give some notes, like I made a mistake here, edit that out, or yeah. whatever, and then I leave it, and then it comes back to me a couple of days later, done, and then they put it out on. And then there's distribution platforms, so there's things like um, Captivate or Buzzsprout, Anchor. There's different tools you can use to push it out, and they'll yeah. they'll do the work at putting it on Spotify and Apple and all that for you. So really. I mean, it's not. An, I've got. I've got a playbook on it, which I actually coach people on. But it's not massively complicated. The bit, that, the hardest bit is, who are you talking to? Why are they going to get value? And then actually delivering on the value because yeah. there's loads of podcasts that no one listens to. Yeah, Shit, loads yeah. of them. So it's about you. You know, there's no point in just repeating someone else's podcast. You can't. You need an angle that people are going to go. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And um, you mentioned that obviously. The, the other podcast, like the Diary of the CEO. So outside of the professional space, I mean, I listen to podcasts, but they're nothing like, like it's like We Drink Wine on Wednesdays kind of podcast. So right. what, what kind of podcast do you enjoy that you think you've got kind of inspiration from to, to do your own? Uh, I, do, I definitely don't listen to as many as I used to, yeah. which is weird, but I, 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 there's only so much stuff you can consume. I do more audio books at the minute. Um, but I do, I mean, I still listen to the Diary of CEO on occasion. Yeah. I listen to one called The Game by a guy called Alex Hormozio. I think it's amazing. Um, I listen to, um, I used to listen to one called The Magic Sponge, which is a football podcast, which was just hilarious. Yeah. It depends what you want from it, right? I think, I think the main reason you go to a podcast is either for, you're going for like entertainment, direct education or inspiration. Yeah. And they're the three reasons I'll go to things. So if I wanna yeah. if I wanna learn something, I'll have a look if there's podcasts on it. If I wanna if I've got like a I don't know if I wanna build a business, I need inspiration. I think the, the, the entrepreneurial stories are great because even if you don't learn that much, they just keep you on that journey knowing that you know things are gonna thing good things are gonna come. Yeah. Same as like our the recruitment podcast, people can listen and be like, if that guy can build a million or that guy can build a company worth hundred million or whatever, so can I. Like it's been done. Yeah. Um and then the entertaining ones are like usually like sport related, like yeah. football stuff like Man City. There's like Blue Moon Rising and stuff like that. Nice, nice. I think that as well. So the ones that I listen to are very much kind of entertainment ones. Yeah. I feel like that's what kind of inspired me to do more of like a fun based, like spilling the tea instead yeah. of it being like recruitment advice. It's yeah. more like let's just talk about it, but have like a nice kind of chilled yeah, vibe yeah, yeah. about it. Um, so if a recruiter wants to set up a podcast, they've worked on the personal branding, they've done really well at that, and then they go to the business owner and say, look, I think it'd be great if we did a podcast. What benefits will that business then gain from doing that podcast? What have you seen through the well, years? Firstly, personal branding first, or investing yeah, in your brand first is important, because yeah. if no one knows you online, you're not going to get listeners. Like, yeah. It's not... Like I built my brand up considerably. I was getting like a million views a month on LinkedIn oh, before I launched okay. the rag. So, the, you know, in the first month, I think I got 5,000 plays on the rag in month one, which is not that common. Um, but so to answer your question, 
why would you then launch a podcast? Well, one of the things about content creation is it's a lot of work. You're mm. constantly having to come up with new ideas. You're always thinking, and, and it's, I mean, I love it personally, but it can be quite difficult to consistently keep that going. So the beauty of a podcast is you have a chance to sit down with someone and create what I call user-generated content, right? Yeah. So user-generated content is we're doing this together now. So it's a really natural, fluid way of coming up with, and then you can, you can chop those that episode into minor Little content things. units yeah, so you could yeah. have like you know one episode for an hour could be 60 one minute clips like i'm not saying you would but you could yeah that then can be posted individually as a post with with a copy attached so you, you're creating loads of short form content yeah. plus you've got long form content so most businesses especially recruitment they have no long form content they have no yeah. there's no like downloadable reading content there's no audible content there's no video content and the reason that's important is trust. So when when you're pitching clients, most recruitment companies say, Mr. Client, I'm already working with your competition. You know, I know this guy, I know that guy, I work with that company. Yeah. But it's all hearsay. Whereas I could say, I know that guy, here's an episode I recorded with him. Yeah, we had this conversation. I know yeah. that guy, I work with him, check out that conversation yeah. I had with him. It's you're credible by association. Especially if you get the, the you know the best people yeah, in the room, that's, yeah, it's that's so powerful. And you know I've got like James Khan on my show and Logan Naidu and Tom Glanfield and David Spencer Percival and all these big hitters in our industry. Yeah. And I have worked with most of them, but even if I haven't, people associate me with those people. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm already leveled like up. Um, and then, so you've got the you know you've got the listeners, people. The trust people, you know, you put that attached to your website and your social. When you pitch a client and then they look at your website and you've got all these interviews, if they listen to any of it, you're already getting more credibility. Candidates see you more credible. Yeah. People want to work for you. So if you're trying to attract recruiters, they're getting a chance to learn and listen and connect digitally to the business. Like, I don't really recommend every recruiter in your business has a podcast. I think no, the, no, no, the no. CEO or the, some of the senior people should do because... The reason the senior people, like Kyle, for example, should do it, because as the business grows, they're going to be less and less operational. They're going to have less time on the phone, yeah. less client meetings. But it still means that they're connected to the clients. They're still FaceTime with customers. They're still delivering value. They're using all their knowledge that they've acquired over 10 years, 20 years, and it's going out there and it's adding so much weight. It's a content. It's an asset to the company. Yeah. Um, but then the, the final benefit, which is primarily what people want it for, if they know is the business development. So yeah. going into a company and saying, hey, CEO, do you have any more recruitment needs? I mean, it's a pretty boring tr trodden path. Whereas yeah. if you say, hey, Mr. CEO, I'd love to feature you on our show. You know, we interview people just like you for this audience, for this reason, we get this many plays. It's very rare people say no or no for a bad reason. Like they usually yeah. go like, not right now, you know, I don't feel comfortable, whatever. But it's, a, it's always a nice response. Yeah. I do like to finish off, obviously, being recruit tea. We're focusing this around spilling the tea and talking about tea. Um, if you had to rate my brew-making skills, what, what would you be giving me? Well, I've drank it. I've got a little bit left. I'll give you a nine. I love Good that. Brew. And obviously, you're originally from Manchester, but you've been converted to I'm a Yorkshire tea. Yeah, I live in Sheffield with my wife now. She's a Yorkshire girl, and uh, we only drink Yorkshire tea. So is it, this is what we're having here. Yeah, right? always. We won't have anything else. <laughs> it's not coming in. No, Fair. thank you. 
Thanks for joining me on Recruit Tea. If you don't already, please do subscribe and leave us a review. And please do join us next time on Recruit Tea for some more gossip. See you soon.